Hey, business owners, need help taking payments online? Well, there's a whole world of transactions powered by Elevon. Whether it's through payment accepting, customer connecting, real-time reporting, round-the-clock supporting, fraud detecting or business protecting. <gasps> Elevon supports all payments for your business. To get started, visit elevon.ie. Elevon, your world of payments. Elevon Financial Services DAC trading as Elevon Merchant Services is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. The Big Tech Show brought to you by Elevon. Elevon makes payment taking simple, freeing you up to focus on your business. You take on the world, they'll take care of the payments. See elevon.ie for more. This is an Irish independent podcast. When you talk to people who run brands or retailers, the hardest problem they have is how to find great people to manufacture product. If you talk to manufacturers, people who own you know, billions of dollars or billions of euro of plant and machinery that makes products, the hardest problem they have is finding exactly who to work with. It's really a problem I want to solve. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. Oshin Hanrahan is one of Ireland's best-known technology exports, having raised almost $100 million for Handy.com, a cleaner-for-hire service in the US, and then selling it to Nasdaq-listed Angie. Having started out as a property developer in Hungary as a teenager and then dropping out of Harvard Business School, he's back with another new platform called Keychain, which aims to serve supply chains into consumer packaged goods in supermarkets and retailers. I caught up with Oshin to talk about his past, present and future. And this is how the conversation went. Oshin Hanrahan, first of all, thank you very much for being on the podcast. It seems like it's been a long time. Adrian, it's great to be here again. How many times have we done this? Not uh, enough, in my opinion. Uh, three times, I believe, well, in the past. Every time we do it, I feel like I learned something. And that's arguably the most important thing. Well, uh, but it's great to be here. I hope I can teach you something again, Oshin. I, I, I doubt it. Let's talk about your news uh, right now, because we'll talk about what you have done in the past and, and your various achievements. But right now, you're raising a seed round for Keychain, uh, and that's an 18 million euro a uh, dollar uh, seed funding round. Tell me about Keychain. Sure. Um, I have spent the last decade building marketplaces. Mm -hmm. And what started as handy a decade ago, back in more than that now, 20, 2011, um, ultimately became the largest marketplace for home service in the world. And when I left there at the end of last year, after 11 years in home services, I was looking for another marketplace to start. I'd been kind of looking to scratch an itch to either build or buy or start another marketplace. And I'm fortunate to have a lot of inbound on people wanting to start ideas and all sorts of interesting stuff comes my way. And there was one theme that kept coming up again and again, and it was around food and beverage and the products that we buy and the things that we eat and the things that we put on our body. And it all starts with going into the grocery store. So today, if you go into the grocery store and you pick something off the shelf, the chances are that's not made by the person whose label is on the box. And you rewind a decade, decade and a half ago, that wasn't the case. People actually owned the full manufacturing supply chain. So 
When you talk to people who run brands or retailers, the hardest problem they have is how to find great people to manufacture product. And if you talk to manufacturers, people who own you know, billions of dollars or billions of euro of plant and machinery uh, that makes products, the hardest problem they have is finding exactly who to work with. And when I thought about this problem and I thought, look, I understand the dynamics of it, like, but it does, is, is, is really a problem I want to solve because I understand the, you know, how to make a two-sided marketplace and how to make that work. And then it actually started to become what we were talking about right before the podcast, which is it's incredible how much unhealthy food we have in a grocery store. Mm. Like we tell people and we have been telling people for so many years, go spend more time in the fruit and vegetables and the meat and fish aisle and spend less time in the packaged goods. The reality is 80% of the grocery store is packaged goods. 80% of the grocery store is filled, particularly in the US, but increasingly around the rest of the world with these products that are not as healthy as they could be. And, you know, at a, at a fundamental level, I believe that people want to do the right thing. I believe that people are good and that they want to do the right thing and that it's just hard to put good product on the shelf. So what we're building at Keychain is a platform to match brands and retailers with manufacturers in the hopes that we can help them put better product on the shelf by making the, making the supply chain more transparent, by making it more seamless. All things we've learned how to do at massive scale over the last decade, and that's why we raise capital. And we're, you know, we're early, we've got about 40 people working on it, but we're excited to bring a product to market, a platform to market that we think can really change how people consume and how, not even how they consume, but the options they have on the shelf. Mm. And this is going to be U.S. It is. We're starting it in the U.S., but there's a strong international component to this. Like, if you think about it, the supply chain, um, it's not a national supply chain. Like, it, you know, you, you think about, like, where people are importing from and where they're getting their products made. It's a massively international supply chain. So it will start with... Um, Excuse me. It'll start with U.S. brands and retailers, but the supply chain part of it, the manufacturers, will be U.S., Canada, Mexico, and gradually will roll out other countries. By the end of next year, it will be a mostly international platform mm. um, because the supply chain is so international. And there's look, there's a lot going on. Like you think about the the you know the uh, let's call it the retreat from China, the the increasing. Uh, uncertainty around being reliant on Chinese manufacturers, the conflict we've got uh, in Ukraine, the uh, situation in the Middle East, there's um, a very real onshoring, bringing supply chain closer to you that is resulting in more and more demand for uh, more and more demand for jewel source suppliers from these brands and retailers, more and more demand for closer suppliers, and greater transparency into the supply chain. Mm. Like brands and retailers want to know not just that the person they're dealing with is complying with ethical standards and environmental standards, but they want to know the supplier's suppliers. They want to know the wastewater treatment plants. They want to know the uh, the labor treatment. They want to know the environmental plants. They want to know the uh, the ingredient sourcing plans of their suppliers' suppliers. And this creates a need to go further into the supply chain. And we think that's good. We think mm -hmm. the transparency that we can bring a keychain into the supply chain will help bring better 
better for you product to market and better made product to market. So ultimately, let's say we're four or five years down the line and I'm walking into one of these stores that we were talking about earlier on. What is it maybe that I'm seeing or that I'm picking up that because of Keychain uh, is now made, packaged or 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 presented differently? Look, I, I think uh, we, we'll, we'll give a real world example. So think about milk for a second. Mm-hmm. A decade ago, there was probably milk, low-fat milk, and uh, there might have been one lactose-free milk on the shelf. Milk is like a massive business, and yet it took huge push to get oat milk, almond milk, all these other milks that have a lower uh, environmental impact and a... Uh, a, a, a customized need or a, a customized formulation that helps hundreds of millions of people in terms of uh, their dietary requirements and restrictions. So when we think about like that proliferation of product availability across that category, why don't we have the same thing in many other categories? Like there are many smaller categories that have, uh, there are many smaller categories that have uh, the same dietary restrictions and dietary requirements and a market that's there, it's just hard to get the product on the shelf. Like you think about what's happened in breakfast cereal. Rewind 10 years ago, the volume of sugar in breakfast cereal was outrageous. It was just ludicrous. That's what it made it good though. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a concept of bliss point in food, um, which is around... Uh, which is around brands and manufacturers designing food for the maximum satiation Mm. to get you to take another bite. And for me, it was Tony the Tiger. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe it was Tony, maybe it was the sugar, who knows? Um, Maybe it was the cartoons you were watching on TV while it was happening on, uh, what it was, a cartoon network or whatever else was on on a Saturday or Sunday morning. Um, But... There's a real concept here around how we actually optimize and what we design for when we put product on the shelf. And there's more and more, uh, more and more desire and market demand for food that is lower in sugar, higher in fiber, higher in protein, and uh, at the same time, can actually reduce the environmental impact and footprint of the food. So I think it's less about, hey, it's this specific product that's on the shelf. It's more about a broader trend of saying, let's take the 80% of the grocery store that's not fruits, vegetables, and let's make it healthier. Mm. And if you think about what impact that has day to day on the, the lives of the constituents involved, it means that the biggest brands and retailers who today are sourcing these products entirely manually. They're going to trade shows. They're going to brokers. They're running, you know, word files of lists of manufacturers, and yet they're sourcing $500 billion of product. Like the, the numbers are outrageous. Um, and the, all of that's being done manually. So you think about taking that friction away, unpacking this black box so that if you want to start a new product, that you can actually find a manufacturer very easily. And similarly, if you have manufacturing plant, you can have conversations with more people that want to put product on the shelf. We believe that uh, more more product coming to market is a good thing because it'll bring more choice. Now, let me take a step back 
for a moment, because despite your very radio-friendly honed international accent, you're a guy from Rathcool, and you're best known to many people in Ireland for having raised almost $100 million way back when, uh, over a dec- over the last decade, for Handy.com, which was a really successful, essentially cleaner-for-hire service in the US. And then uh, you and your um, your co-founder, um, uh, Umangdu, uh, sold it. Um, first of all, did you ever disclose how much you sold that for? I don't think so, no. Oh. I don't think we're going to do that today, though. Okay, okay. It doesn't feel like the day to do it. What, was, what were the biggest lessons you learned from founding and selling Handy? Um, look, we started Handy at a different time, right? We started Handy back in 2011. Mm. And if you can think back as far as 2011, well done. Um, but if you can think back as far as 2011 and actually like put your put your head in that mind space, it was such a different world. Like mm. unemployment was super high. We were coming out of the global financial crisis. Unemployment was outrageously high. Hiring talent was incredibly easy. Uh, customer acquisition costs were really low. We were in a you know in a, in a world where uh, you know. Facebook market, or sorry, Facebook ads were still very, very under monetized, uh, and you were, we were on the front end of a digital transition of D 2 C consumer businesses. Um, so I, I think one of the things to to remember, or one of the things to to take into account, um, is the importance of the environment that you are operating in. Mm. And I think some people have pattern recognition of things that have always worked, and they're like, this thing worked, do that again, it'll be great. Um, I think one of the lessons, and again, we we ran Handy and subsequently Angie for mm. a decade, so across a wide span of um, of macro environments. Angie being the NASDAQ uh, yeah, Angie being the company the, which acquired. Exactly, Handy. sorry. We, we sold Handy to Angie's mm-hmm. List. We subsequently rebranded the two companies together as Angie. Um, and you eventually became CEO of, that's right, of Angie. Yep. Which must have been quite a step change again from being this founder of startup and running a startup to now being the CEO of a publicly listed firm. When I took on Angie, it was uh, just over a billion of revenue. When I left, it was nearly 7,000 employees. Uh, it was, you know, it was climbing up on nearly $2 billion of revenue. Uh, it was big. It was a big operation. And it had you know, a different set of needs than, uh, than running, uh, than running mm-hmm. handy. And, you know, again, to the, to the point on learnings, like one is just be responsive to the macro environment. The second is, um, to understand at all points, what your customers actually want. Like people take the same thing. They're like, Oh, customers wanted this. Therefore they'll want this again. They'll keep doing it. I think being responsive to the customer and the customer's needs change the in, in a marketplace, both sides of your marketplace, their needs change and being responsive to that through time. And then the third is um, around people. So at every point, surround yourself with the smartest, uh, most trustworthy, highest integrity mm-hmm. people who are aligned to do what needs to be done. Do you know one question I've always wanted to ask somebody who has clearly run a successful company and a successful business and who says that, because you hear that advice quite a lot is, and I've always wanted to know, is there not even a scintilla 
of worry or insecurity that if you surround yourself with really brilliant people that actually one or two of them will either take your own job or will think, you know, will will, will find you out. I don't mean you, Oshin Hanrahan. I mean, for those who, I mean, I suffer from imposter syndrome sometimes. And if, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm with somebody really brilliant, I'm admiring and I'm delighted they're on my team. And I'm also 10% worried that I'm going to be found out as a fraud. Um, I think it depends how you think about your role. So it's a real question. It's like a, it's a real and valid and uh, important question. I think it depends how you think about what your job is. Mm. And I don't think about my role as I have to run Keychain or at that point Handy and Angie forever. I think about it as, okay, I'm going to run this so long as I'm the right person to do it. And if I'm not the right best person to do it, then I'm better to be a shareholder of that organization and frankly have somebody else run it. And my economics will be better if they're better at running it than me. I think it's different for you because you, you know, you're, you're, a, you're, you're, you're in a role where the creation of the content and if someone can produce the content better than you, then yeah, you know what? Don't don't let them don't don't tell me, Adrian. Don't, don't don't let me find out. There's someone else I should be talking to instead. Um, not that it's a concern that you should have. Obviously, you're amazing at the the production of content. Um, but it is uh, it's it's just not a concern that I have. And I think embedded within the advice that you should do that of like surrounding yourself with the best possible people is the notion that one they can make you better. So mm. perhaps, yeah, maybe if you surrounded yourself with someone that's smarter than you, maybe you'll actually find someone who'll make you even better. About a million years ago, you started out as a property developer in Hungary as a teenager. Does that seem like a very long time ago? Uh, it does and it doesn't. I can vividly remember particular times or particular moments or particular instances in that journey in my life. Like I can remember uh, walking onto the construction site uh, when we took off the roof of the first development that we did. I can remember the closing celebration of uh, when we, you know, sold the first development and uh, did a, a, you know, a, a closing party where we invited, you know, all the people who had been involved in it and all the neighbors. Um, so there's individual moments that I, I can remember many things that went wrong as well, I, but there's individual moments I can remember. Um, and those feel very recent, but the overall thing, like if you ask me to describe what the average day was like and what I did on every single, you know, in an average week or a month, it's kind of blurry and but it does feel, it does it, feel like a long time ago. Like you as someone in your forties, I think maybe I turned 40 last week, You turned 40. So yeah, I was technically yeah. correct. I was You're saved. Te- by the yeah. I mean, there. I, yeah, I'm entering my fifth decade of going around the sun. Yeah. So someone in their fifth decade to think about a 19 year old in that role, it, it's kind of from this perspective now, maybe it's, it's different to what it must have felt like then. Oh, you're asking the question, was I wildly under-equipped and ill-equipped to do the job? That's a different... Um, I mean, uh, am, I, am I ill-equipped to do the current job is another question. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really give that any thought. It's right. not something that... It's not a, I, I more think about it in terms of like what's happened since then yeah. and how much my approach on life and like what are the things that mm-hmm. have changed. You know, obviously, running a large company has changed my mm-hmm. life drastically. Getting married has changed my life. Having kids. I have mm-hmm. two small kids. I have a four-year-old girl, a two-year-old boy. And I think... You know, having kids is probably the thing that has 
changed my approach and my perception of what I should be doing, my perception of self, more than more than anything else. Like mm. it's probably that. Like that that's probably put more distance in my mind between you know that person and, and the person, the person who's, who's, who's here now. Um, is it hard to raise money right now? Um, I think people are having very different experiences raising money right now. We, uh, my co-founder from Handy, Omong mm -hmm. and I, uh, have extremely high founder fit in terms of running another marketplace. So this is not like so we're going off. for you, the answer is no. Well, yeah. I mean, it's not like we're going off and starting a company building flying cars, right? right. That would be like, okay, you really have to look at us and stretch and believe mm -hmm. and like, why you mm -hmm. guys? But saying, hey, you guys ran the biggest marketplace for home services. You're going to build another marketplace in manufacturing. Uh, no, it was, it, was not, uh, it was not a challenge to raise capital uh, this, this time around. We were very fortunate. The round was you know, multiple mm -hmm. times oversubscribed. We were fortunate to be able to pick what I hope will be great investors, what I believe will be great investors. Uh, and uh, on the other side of that equation, I think you've got people who are either first time out or making a founder pivot or taking on categories that are challenged right now. And I think they're having a different mm -hmm. um, they're having a very different experience. Lastly, you are a longtime visitor uh, to the Web Summit, as am I. I think I've been to every single one. I know you've been to several because I've met you here before. This is an interesting one. It's in a context. Did you ever pause for thought? Did you ever give it second thought to come to this Web Summit this year? Well, do you have that thing, the little punch your card thing, where every tenth one is free? Is that is that is that the is that is that the, you know you you know you show up at like those uh, those uh, I, I don't know everyone like the, is free the game show hoes or the game like whatever those things in the, the 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 fairground where it's like you know you buy five mm -hmm. rides and you get the sixth mm -hmm. one free. I was over in Galway. Uh, over the summer, I was there with my kids, and I was at the Salt Hill uh, Fairground, and they have it down to a T now. Like they, this idea of uh, paying cash and paying euros to get on every ride. Now you go in now, and you get uh, this little tokens. card of ticket yeah. of tokens on the way in. You swipe a credit card. You're, it's like they've taken away any room for uh, for for, for maneuvering mm -hmm. and the what we would call in the marketplace business we call breakage. People buying something and then not using it. Mm -hmm. The breakage on those tokens must be incredibly high where they literally collect the money and don't do anything. Uh, so I think I have a similar thing with Web Summit where, you know, I have uh, I have the, the tokens and I'm like, oh, well, I, I, I just continue to go. Look, I think it's a great event. I think it's an incredible conference. Uh, I think it stands out as something that, um, I think it stands out as an event that brings people together. I think it has an incredible opportunity to be ever more important in a world where, these little devices, mm -hmm. uh, these little devices that uh, we, we think, you know, we call phones still, even though we do so little talking on them. Uh, and all of the negativity that we read on Instagram, all of the right negativity that is pushed in front of us on TikTok uh, as a result of largely us letting ML and AI get out of control. I think it's the single largest application of machine learning that we have is the, the, the Facebook feed, or sorry, the, the Instagram feed and the, uh, the TikTok feed. Um, and I think in a very, very bubble driven, and I mean that in the context mm -hmm. of putting people in bubbles and polarized world, that in-person events are the most important they have ever been. In-person events, when 
you know, you can walk up to the average police officer on the street in New York, and if you could convince them to look at, uh, you know, to let them look at their, or let you look at their uh, TikTok feed, you would see content of police officers being abused and harassed and, you know, police officers being arrested and police officers being, uh, uh, you know, basically attacked and harassed in a way that is definitively changing their perspective on their job. And you don't see that content. I don't see that content. In fact, I see the opposite content, right? Mm -hmm. I see, you know, I, I see a different perspective of the police force. But the fact that we have let, uh, let our news content become driven by an algorithm which is polarizing people to the extent that it is... You think it's valuable um, for us to get together? Us being in person is the most important it has ever been. Okay, and and you didn't pause for thought given the controversy over the web summit is also what I'm asking. I, I look, I think that uh, I think people can make mistakes. Uh, I think that people can still be good people if they make mistakes. And in the context of you know, in the context of that, I think what we need to do is look at the benefit of Web Summit, the importance of bringing people together, and we need to look at that more than uh, more than you know any 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 error that any one person might have made. Oshin Hanrahan of Keychain, formerly Handy, formerly Angie, and who knows what else. Thank you so much for being on the Big Tech Show uh, with me today, Adrian. Always a pleasure. Thank you. And that was Oshin Hanrahan of Keychain, and that's all we have time for. For the moment, you've been listening to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. My thanks to JJ Clark, who produced this episode. We'll talk to you soon. An Irish independent digital subscription doesn't just get you the news. It gets you the best of Ireland stories all in one place. Whether it's the best of politics, business, sport, entertainment or lifestyle. Get it all for just €4 Euro a month for 12 months when you first subscribe. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply. Cancel anytime.